Hey guys, Dennis Farrell here. I uh, just want to give you a little heads up going into this podcast. Great interviews with Frankie Kazarian, myself, and P.D. Williams. I am unfortunately stuck in Buffalo, New York in a hotel, so we had to use that kind of internet. P.D. and Kaz, the audio was not the greatest. It's not horrible. I'm uh, asking you to power through it to listen there's some great conversations just a crackle a, a, a break in the voice every once in a while it doesn't ruin the whole show i'm i'm hoping that the uh, people that listen and i'm one of those guys too between you and me i look jim bob frank i know you have your headphones in you're on your way to work or you're listening in your car in the morning or on the way home from work i apologize I'm the same way. I want my audio to be perfect, like you and me right now. Unfortunately, circumstances did not dictate that's going to be this podcast. So just just bear with us. Enjoy for what you can enjoy out of this. It's not horrible. It's maybe slightly annoying, like if you get a sliver and you have to like suck it out or pull it out or like a stub toe, like it sucks for the first couple minutes. And once you get used to it, it's okay. That's you. Know, look, we're all family here. You're 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 gonna hook us up. So, I just thought I'd come on to give you that warning before you get comfy and cozy and you're ready for the greatest podcast you've ever heard. This is not audio wise gonna be it, but content wise, this is gonna be it. Audio wise, not so much. You have Buffalo to think of that. Well, thank you, Buffalo. If you're in Buffalo, thank you. <laughs> As sarcastic as that sounds. So, without further ado, we're going to hit PD's music. Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Dennis Farrell, and he's P.D. Williams. What's up, Pete? How's she going, eh? Hey, it's going good. I'm in Buffalo for one of two trips. Uh, This trip is for my real job. Next, uh, was it Saturday? Well, not next Saturday, but three, four days from now, you and I will be up here for, was it Empire State Championship Wrestling? Empire State, I think wrestling. I don't think there's a championship in there. Uh, Yeah, Empire State Wrestling. They're not paying for advertising, so we can call them whatever they want. We want. Yeah, but I mean, it should be a good show. I'm wrestling uh, Kevin Blackwood, I believe, um, all tatted up, and stuff. I've I've seen him at Smash Wrestling a bunch of times, so um, should be a good show. I think uh, Simon Grimm will be there. Jimmy Jacobs. Who else am I missing? Um, a bunch of people that you know, wrestlers that you'd recognize. So it, it should be a really good show. What uh, have we heard? What I'm doing yet? No, I I looked at somebody had tweeted something with my name, you know, attached to it, um, and I was like, oh, let me check out the card, see what's going on, and I'm looking at it, and you know, it's pretty stacked, card up and down. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Dennis is doing, 
So, it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see what you're doing. If you had to guess, what would your guess be? I don't, managing somebody. Um, I See, I don't know. Like, what's really weird about these independent promotions now is they have, like, these dark matches. And I'm like, dark matches? It's an indie show. It's not tape. But I guess, like, Smash Wrestling, they're on the Fight Network and stuff. So, you know, their shows are recorded and then played on the Fight Network. But then they'll have a dark match prior to their recording. But I'm like... Why, why a dark match? Why not just be part of the show? I, I don't know. So uh, maybe it's a dark match. Maybe it's, it's something else. Um, I, Dennis, I have no idea what you'll be doing. I'm, I'm okay with a dark match. For my first time in Buffalo as a manager, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah, and I mean, and welcome to the life of a professional wrestler. There's so many shows that you go to, and you, not, not so much now. Like now I can almost... Every show I go to, like, you know ahead of time. It's, it's because, you know, they'll advertise me, and then they'll advertise me as, as to who I'm wrestling. And But before, man, like, before social media and stuff like that, you were just showing up to the show, like, and be like, all right, who am I working tonight? And wow. that's what it was. So, I mean, uh, that hasn't happened to me a lot lately, but that's that's the life of a pro wrestler. So now you're getting to, uh, <laughs> you're getting to live it. Great. Great. I'm really excited about that. This, by the way, is a really exciting podcast because here in a little while, after we get done talking some wrestling, uh, Frankie Kazarian joins us. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we don't do a lot of guests. Um, you know, I I don't know why. I, sometimes we do, and this is like what maybe our third our third guest wrestler. Yeah, we had we had Ellsworth who ended up joining our podcast. <laughs> um, Uncle Jeff, who's in negotiations to joining our podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm kidding. That's a joke. And uh, yeah, now we have Frankie. So, I mean, this is good. Who, who knows? You never know in this crazy world of podcasts. Let's get started because, like I said, you know what? Before, before we get started, tell me, tell me a quick Frankie story. How did you – tell me about the first time you met him. First time I met him? Did you – should I tell like a story when we get him on the line? You should tell one laugh kind of deal. You yeah, you should okay. you should do that. But tell me now a story of when you first met him. I actually first met him at Border City Wrestling Show. Um, at the time, I, I think it was like before Impact was around. They might have just been starting, like in two thousand two ish. And he was from California, and he was going by the future Frankie Kazarian. And at the same time, Chris Saban was going by like the future Chris Saban kind of deal. And I think they ended up working each other at this Border City show. And this is like right when Chris Saban really started like, you know, making a name for himself in Michigan. And, and I think it was like right before he got to Impact or like maybe shortly after. But, you know, I was like, I was nowhere on the radar. And I just kind of met him at a Border City wrestling show, uh, Scott Demore. And, um, I mean, there was nothing much to it. It was like, hi, nice to meet you. That's it. Like, we weren't boys yet. Like, I didn't know uh, Frankie or anything like that. I knew nothing about him. Like, he, he wasn't, like, a regular in our locker room. So I was like, you know, is this guy, like, I was still trying to figure him out. I'm like, is he a big star? Like, why is he coming here all the way from California to wrestle in Windsor? And uh, so I was unsure, like, uh, I didn't know why he was there. So it was very, like, informal. Um, 
you know, just kind of, so I, I didn't really know any, anything about him at all. I know he had a really good match at the time. Um, Jeffrey Scott was a referee. Um, he's like kind of a part owner of border city wrestling right now, currently. And, uh, what did he say? He came to the back and he said, uh, he told me, he's like, man, I was, I was out there, you know, refing the match against Frankie and Sabin. And he's like, it was so hilarious. What the fan said, like it was, at one point of the match, it was like kind of quiet. And one fan stood up and was like, nice move, Antonio Banderas. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious because Frankie, you know, in his younger age, he kind of looked like Antonio Banderas when he had the long hair, when Antonio Banderas had the long hair and stuff like that. So ever since then, you know, and I've mentioned it to him before, like that same remark. And when we ended up like becoming boys and stuff like that, um, I said the same thing. I call him Antonio Banderas and all that kind of stuff. So stuff, I guess, between them. But like the first time I actually started like, hanging out with him was mm-hmm. when I first started working for impact. Cause in like 2004, back in the Nashville days, Aben was already working down there. Frankie was working down there. And then I think like Frankie and Saban kind of room together, but like I, I was new, I'd had nowhere to room. So I asked Saban if I could room with him and he was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh no, but I, I room with Frankie. And I'm like, Oh, you know, whatever. And then, you know, Frankie and I kind of hit it off. And then there was weeks that Saban wasn't booked on the show. So I would room with Frankie, so we ended up like all becoming friends. And then I remember Alex Shelley too. When he first started coming down, he was like, "I don't know if I like that Frankie guy." I'm like, "Dude, you don't even know him. He's so cool." He's, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Just hang out with him, and it'll be fine." And then Alex Shelley ends up being our friend, like, like, and it was all you know the same thing. So, um, yeah, I, I mean. That's just how that's how things happen in, in the wrestling business, I guess. All right, that that's interesting. I cannot wait for the Frankie Kazarian interview. Let's talk some wrestling. Uh, up first, let's discuss Eli Drake, whose uh, contract is coming up in May. He was recently quoted on the Impact teleca- uh, teleconference call as saying, "You know, there's been no contract talk going forward as an agent, as a wrestler." How worried now are you that Impact will let this guy slip through their fingers? I'll be honest. You know, after watching what's happened over the last couple months, the steps that Impact has taken, I'm worried. They cannot let Eli Drake go. No, Eli, and I think I've mentioned it many times before to you and on this show that, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eli Drake. I think said it really well before that he's got just this 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 cool factor about him that you know he's great on the mic he's great in the ring he's very athletic he looks good like just everything you'd want out of a wrestler um so i mean yeah it would be a huge loss for impact if he left the company um but you know what can you do if he if he does leave like you can't do anything impacts like we just lost Alberto El Patron, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley, like a bunch of other guys that we lost there. Obviously, you know, we didn't want to see him lose. It's not like we're like, you know, hit the road jack or hit the bricks or anything like that. I was kind of like, okay, you know, this chapter in my wrestling career is done. Now I'm moving on to the next thing. And, you know, maybe that's what he wants to do. I don't know. Do I want to see him go? Absolutely not. I think he's a tremendous talent. Um, I didn't think his contract was up in May. I mean, I guess he would know best if he's saying on it if he's actually saying it on an impact teleconference. Um, I, I thought it was more like a June or July thing, um, but that's all hearsay. Who knows? I mean, he knows better when his contract's up. 
And you know, will he resign? I don't know. Like I have, I have no idea. I've seen stranger things happen. Um, so, I mean, I, I just don't know, Dennis. I don't know. What in the what has led you to believe that that he was there for Slammiversary? Have you guys planned out anything for him into Slammiversary? Is that what makes you believe that? Uh, I don't remember if it was slammiversary or with the june tapings um i want to say his name was thrown around for the slammiversary i know his name was was thrown around for upcoming shows i'll just put it like that okay because if his contract's up in may well which is well now it's may did, did he say may or june he said may he said oh so if it's up in may then you know let's say he does resign or, or whatever the case may be he leaves the company then that means he wouldn't be around for our next set of tapings, um, which is interesting. So um, I don't know, like the impact management, they're pretty keen on when people's contracts are up and stuff. So um, I know his name was, was mentioned for future tapings or, or shows, I should say, that's for sure. Speak, so speaking um, of future, yeah. speaking of future tapings and shows, Rich Swan is uh, hanging around now. He will be, is he signed to Impact now? Is he just, you know, doing some of these one night only tapings? What's the deal with Rich Swan? Um, well, the June first and second shows and those are not one night only tapings. The ones that we had done in March was a one night only taping, but these are actually Impact tapings, like the stuff that you see in Pop TV. That's what we're taping for. So, I mean, uh, apparently it seems like. He's gonna be on our pop TV television show, uh, and that's just what I'm reading from the internet. I'm hearing all this stuff. Like I said, I told you before, I don't really, you know, contact Sanji and Scott and oh, give me the lowdown and all that kind of stuff because I'll, I'll f- it doesn't matter to me, really. Like I'll find out more about it when I'm actually there and talking to them face to face. And I know they have so much work to do. I mean, Sanjay tells me I'm like, you know, like how he works throughout the day he's on his laptop for so long and when he goes to nashville to like you know commentary and all that kind of stuff and i'm like dude this guy doesn't have time to like do anything like he's literally a workhorse he's doing like a job of like multiple people right now so i'm not gonna bug him with that kind of stuff um just so i know the 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 gossip let, let's talk about a little bit about rich swan we all know kind of what happened with him we're not gonna rehash it I have mixed feelings about it where, you know, when someone does something as to what he did and you can go look it up, I don't really want to get too much into it on the podcast. You know, you want to see the guy, I I never want to see anybody lose their job, but I want to see them punished for the acts they do. On the flip side, I also believe in second chances in redemption. So I'm kind of on the, right down the middle. I'm not sure. I, I'm happy that he has a second chance. Hopefully he'll make the best of this second chance and he becomes a great talent and a better person from the incident he was involved with. Yeah, absolutely. I believe in second chances too. And also, you know, you you talk about allegations or what people see and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, I, I think charges were dropped, right, Dennis? I'm not sure with Rich Swan. I, I they were dropped. Because if they weren't dropped, he probably wouldn't be at the impact tapings. And then, you know, they're supporting his wife or girlfriend or I, I don't know what they are. 
and he'd probably have a, PP, a personal protection order against him and no contact and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm assuming the stuff was dropped. He'd probably be in jail, all that kind of stuff, or on some sort of probation. I don't know. But I'm assuming they were dropped. And I'm going to um, guess that maybe he couldn't get into Canada if that was the case, right? I'm not sure how that works. Um, so like a domestic violence, a misdemeanor, which wouldn't uh, have you uh, – it's not a felony, so you could still cross the border. Okay. But then again, if you're on probation – so you so let, let's hypoth- – I'm pretty sure the charges were dropped. Let's hypothetically say they weren't dropped and he was on, let's say, a year probation. You can't leave the country when you're on probation. Okay. So. Um, I'm pretty sure the charges were dropped. That's good. And by the way, if his wife forgives him or his girlfriend forgives him, who am I to judge him after that? Yeah, I mean, and we don't, like I said, we don't know the whole circumstance, you know, and everything like that. So we we can look at things from a third party in hindsight and say like, oh, yeah, but this eyewitness said that and this and all that other kind of thing. Like, uh, okay. Sure, but how many times have we heard stories? And you've probably heard stories, something you may be involved in yourself, and then you hear a story from a third party, and you're like, man, that's not how it went. That, that was nothing like how it actually went. So you just don't know. So it's not that I'm sticking up for him or condoning uh, anything that he does or anything like that. It's just that second you know, chances. charges were dropped. Yeah, charges were dropped, second chances. You know, if we hear of allegations that it's happening again, well, then, you know, maybe – Maybe that's a different story, and we're having a different conversation. And on that case, let's talk about Enzo now, who uh, everything was dropped against him. Congratulations to Enzo. I'm not sure I see him back in the WWE. If you believe, once again, the third parties are the dirt sheets, there were a lot of people that were not happy with Enzo. Maybe him being ousted was a blessing in disguise for everybody involved. Let's make a bet. Where do you think he ends up? Where do I think he ends up? I don't know because I was reading something that he's doing something in the entertainment industry. We're unsure if it's actually going to have to do with anything with professional wrestling. His no-compete clause has been up for probably almost a month now, and he hasn't really shown up anywhere. Which is smart, by the way. I think that is the smartest thing he could ever do is not show his face anywhere until he's proven innocent. And now he's free and clear to go do whatever he wants. Yeah, that's perfect because nobody – and I don't even know if anybody was reaching out to book him. Maybe some independent shows and stuff like that. But um, you don't know what's going to happen in pro wrestling. Could he go back to WWE? Maybe. You know, maybe – what WWE really likes is if Enzo – kind of like what what happened with Drew McIntyre. You go out there. You, you know, fine-tune your skills. Uh, become a better wrestler, make a name for yourself outside of uh, you know WWE, and then that way you can take that, learn and mature, and everything that you've done outside WWE, and bring that back, and they usually accept you with that. In this case, he hasn't done anything except lay low, which is good. That's what you know he was probably advised to do, and now that you know everything's clear, maybe he'll show up in other places and stuff like that, and then. You know he's still going to be on WWE's radar and stuff. I mean, he was great on the mic, um, you know, great character, personality, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, you also hear through rumors and stuff that he was, you know, difficult to deal with backstage, and he had a lot of heat and stuff like that. So it's almost like the allegation was almost like an icing on the cake. 
you know, let's get rid of them because enough is enough. And we actually have like uh, a reason to get rid of them now. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he shows up. I don't think he's done in the, the pro wrestling world. I really don't. Speaking of people who are done or not done in the pro wrestling world, let's talk a little bit about CM Punk for a second. He was recently on Twitter. He had, uh, I guess, some internet. I don't know if the kid was a troll or not, but just kind of tweeted, you know, there are other people more deserving of, you know, being in MMA fight than, you know, CM Punk. Why why is he doing this? Another guy kind of just said, hey, listen, man, congrats to the guy. It's about money. He's going to generate it. And CM Punk kind of jumped in and said, look, I'll be the first my fight, the last fight. I don't make those decisions. I'm happy to be here. Congratulations. A, that's awesome for CM Punk. B, I'm at the point where I don't want to see CM Punk in a wrestling ring again. And not because of a negative, but because here's a guy that left on top of the business and is doing things his way. And if he comes back, I want him to come back for the right reasons. I would be happy if he showed up to All In, you know, handled the mic, went home. I, I, I think there's a 0% chance he wrestles. I just don't know if I want to see CM Punk in the ring again because I think he may not be the same CM Punk we saw. Not because he's old or rusty or not the same CM Punk, but just maybe it's not the CM Punk who loved the business when he did. Yeah, and that's true. That's probably why he got out. Like, I mean, he probably just hated the business. He was burnt out, and it seems like now he's doing something that he loves. Kind of like back in the day, if you watch, like, the documentaries and stuff that they did on Punk, like, on the WWE Network, he was talking about when he was younger, like, how much he loved pro wrestling. And, you know, then he goes in it, and he's on top of the world, and then business just drains on him, and he falls out of love with it. And now it seems like he's doing something that he loves again and he's passionate about. And it seems like he's, you know, he doesn't have the passion for the pro wrestling business. Not that he doesn't have passion performing in front of the fans and doing what, he, you know, that aspect of it. He probably just doesn't care for the business aspect of it. So he's doing something that he loves. So, you know, great for him, right? And to go back to WWE, I mean, he hasn't been in uh, a pro wrestling ring in many years. So um, I just don't think he's. He, he he wants to do that again. He doesn't love it anymore. Oh, and I, I heard he's doing like some sort of autograph signing at in Bro. Chicago, like yes. on whatever it is, or in or around All In. So I mean, I think there's a good chance that he shows up at All In and maybe cuts a promo or or, or something. But I definitely don't see him wrestling. And I don't even know if he can compete in All In. I mean, I don't know what his contract states with UFC if he's not allowed to do anything without the approval of ufc i I don't know how all that looks well congratulations for at least cm punk to do it his way because you i go to a lot of independent shows and i see a lot of guys who used to be on top you know not going out the way they want yeah and yeah they're usually like okay we're gonna release this guy you look at all the releases and then you kind of just never hear them again or they you know, kind of pitter-patter on the indies, or maybe they'll go to Impact or Ring of Honor or something, but then nothing, right? So it's good that he went on top. Not too many wrestlers can say that they were at the peak of their career, and they said, you know what? I, I know I'm making a lot of money. I'm, at, I'm the top guy, but I just don't like this anymore because a lot of guys, a lot of guys will just, like, suck it up, 
not not suck it up, I should say. Like that's the wrong word, but like kind of like just bear it and just be like, you know what? I'm just gonna get through this, whatever, make money, and then they're doing it for the money rather than their love for the business that they they've had for. So it's good that he called it quits. He he recognized that and was like, no man, I'm gone, and now I'm gonna do something that you know I have a passion for. And before we get over and start talking to Frankie Kazarian here in a couple minutes, let's talk about Ronda Rousey, who, you know, if you believe the WWE, it was the biggest rage and signing they've ever had. Now she's talking about having children. She's granted a championship match at Money in the Bank. If I'm WWE management, I'm scared to death right now. Uh, about her possibly getting pregnant and yes. being gone for like a bare minimum of a year. Oh, e- easily because I think the second she becomes pregnant, she can't wrestle at all. No, it, no, that absolutely not. And then you have time away. If she even wants to come back after having children, look at how many WWE divas had children and decide not to come back. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's Rhonda's case though. Um, you look at somebody like Mickey James, you know, she has, I think their her next kid is like, uh, th- three, maybe three and a half right now. Um, so, and she's back wrestling. She looked great. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people do, but usually when you start that family, it's like, Hey, I'm done with wrestling. Usually that's what it is. And then I'm going to, you know, focus on my family because it's hard. Like a female in pro wrestling, it's like, you're putting your career in front of your family. Because you're gone for a year. You got nine months of pregnancy if it goes full term. And then you have at least like, you know, three months off, like recovery, getting back into shape. You know, maybe if you're breastfeeding and spending time with your, your you know, your, your new child and all that kind of stuff. So you're looking at a minimum of a year gone. So, and, and it's just so weird right now. She's getting a title shot. I don't, she, has she had a singles match yet? No, I, she had the Triple H match and that was it. That was it. She's okay, not so on the tour at that all. Concerns me. Yeah, that concerns me more because, you know, she's in the match with probably one of the best ring generals, you know, today, Triple H, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you got Kurt Angle as her partner. So it's a tag match. So she's protected in there so they can do everything. Now you got, you know, Nia Jax where she's, you know, she's relatively, I wouldn't call her green, but like she's relatively newer. I mean, I remember watching her train in NXT, like on their, you know, uh, their their documentary and stuff like that. So she hasn't been around that long. So for her to be able to be the the vet in the ring and get Ronda through her first singles match, I mean, that's kind of scary. Unless they're going to do something where it's just like a quick match or something like that. I I don't know. So that that scares me. That that singles match scares me as well. Oh, absolutely, because. You, you once again they've they've built Naya up several times to be this monster. Several times they've you know knocked her down a couple notches. She just got through one of the weirdest and worst bullying storylines I've seen in so long, and now you throw her in against you know your premier free agent signing. Which unless this ends in a a, a no. A, a DQ, I don't see a way that Nia walks out as a champion. It's way too soon. There are a million storylines right now you could give Ronda to keep her away from that belt. Yeah, no, I agree. 
I mean, they got to give her the belt. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're, unless they're going to make it a three way in the upcoming weeks. I mean, they still have like, you know, a month to play with it before the pay-per-view, but yeah. And yeah, like she's, she's a bait. They're both baby faces. So now you have a baby, baby scenario. I mean, it's just, I, I know they're going to pull it off because usually when I'm skeptical about these things, when there's a big recipe for disaster, they end up pulling it off and be like, okay, that, that, that worked out. Um, but I don't know, man. Like it's, oh, it'll be interesting. I'll actually probably tune in to watch that just because I want to see what will happen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious myself. All right, so Dennis, super excited. We got uh, one of my good friends on right now. I, I don't even know how many championships he's held. I don't have the list right here, but multiple time champion in multiple organizations and worked everywhere across the world. Um, Frankie Kazarian. Frankie, how's it going, man? It is going wonderfully. Thanks for having me. I, I've, I've uh, from what I understand, I'm the third guest, so hopefully third time's the charm. We can get it right this time, huh? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> Lee's got jokes already. Now, uh, okay, Frankie, I gotta start off with uh, a little story. Um, I'm not gonna tell yeah. embarrassing one. I, I know we've been through uh, a, a lot of things together and stuff, but I want to know if you remember this this one particular one. Um, so you, uh, you worked for impact TNA and then you went to WWE, yep. did a, a brief stint there. You came back and then I, I don't, I have no idea what happened at the show. Cause it, it didn't really matter. It was always that what the stuff we did after the show. And I don't know if you remember, but we're all in the room, like myself, the machine guns, you, a one, I, Jay Lee, whoever. Right. And we were in one uh-huh. of our suites that we usually get and we were playing, uh, the, the luge with the ottoman and do you remember what happened i absolutely remember what happened because i have a deformity to this day because of what happened <laughs> <laughs> would you so, like me to would you like is, me to uh to tell the story yeah i want to hear this i haven't heard it yet okay so we're, okay, we're so, you know the competition go, is go we get on this this rolling ottoman and we 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 I don't know, we go belly first, whatever we can, and see who could go the furthest distance. And Frankie actually ended up winning because uh, he went like all the way around the corner into the bathroom. But at the same time, he he broke his finger. Which which finger did you break? Okay, it's it's my pinky on my right hand. And this was actually, this was my first night back in the company. I had wrestled low-key and um, survived that match but managed to completely mangle my right hand that night playing, playing hotel room luge with my idiot friends. Like, and when I'm, when I'm talking mangled, like, so I, I, this finger was destroyed. Uh, I went and got looked at and I had to have, um, I had to do what they call aggressive physical therapy to get it to straighten out because it was like, literally, if you just hold your hand out flat and look at it, imagine if your pinky was actually facing your, uh, your ring finger. It was that mangled, like, and I couldn't, I couldn't straighten it. So I had to go to, I had to go for, I think, six or eight weeks to what they called physical, like, uh, aggressive physical therapy, and just basically learn how to make a fist and how to grip things because the way that it was broke, they couldn't set it or do anything other than do this. Uh, it was excruciatingly painful. It was expensive because uh, my insurance. There's some, I had something wacky with a, my deductible. Uh, so it was, uh, and still to this day, 
my my it, my pinky straightens, but I can still bend it in the way that it broke that night. Because what had happened is all my body weight was on that stupid luge, and I rolled over my own hand, one of the wheels, <laughs> it just completely crushed it. And one of and, the most idiotic things I've done in my life, which is saying something, because I because I'm a huge idiot, I've done some stupid stuff. Um, but it was uh, I couldn't let on to how bad it hurt because all the guys there and they were all laughing at me already. And they're like, oh, man, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. But inside, I'm just – I literally wanted to go into a corner and cry. And then short yeah, side note, the next day at TV, um, any, anybody that knows Billy Gunn knows how hard of a handshaker he is. Like when he shakes your oh, hand, yeah. you just want to drop to your knees. So I go into TV, and my fingers mangled, and he shakes my hand, and he squeezes it. And I, honest to God, wanted to poop my pants and cry. Because I, it was, I was in so much pain. So, of course, I remember that story. <laughs> and, yeah. And that was the last day. That was the last day you hung out with us. Remember? You're like, I can't hang out with these guys anymore. I'm going to kill myself. Do you remember that? I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't keep up because, yeah, keep in mind, before I had left uh, and uh, came back, we, we hung out, you know, every Wednesday and every Thursday in Nashville and Orlando. And we just we, – we did – Stupid stuff out of boredom. So I was like, man, I'm either going to get thrown in jail or even more hurt if I continue to run with these guys. So I, that kind of that's kind of when I separated off and started traveling with like Chris Daniels and AJ and Joe, and we did different versions of stupid stuff. But yeah, it was all good times, man. It's all good memories now that we survived, right? I I gotta jump I gotta jump in and ask you a question, Frankie. I feel like you're my wrestling sure. spirit animal. You and I are both big cigar guys, but. With the recent boom, yes, we are. with the recent boom of wrestlers who have podcasts, PD included into this, how do you feel it's evolved the wrestling industry? Has it been for the good, the bad? And you know, PD and I go back and forth because we know a bunch of people within and outside of the industry, and we often feel like we're bugging people by asking them to come on wrestling podcasts. And when a buddy of yours asks you to come on a podcast, does it feel like? Uh, here I am doing the 18,000th wrestling podcast. How does that affect you from a wrestling uh, perspective? Um, well, for me personally, I, I turn down uh, far more than I actually do. Um, you know, I, I get asked in a, a one-way, shape, or form, honestly, probably once a day or once every other day, whether it be on Twitter or through email or something, about doing a wrestling podcast and, you know, and then sometimes I have my publicist send me, you know, people that would like to also do podcasts with me. And I, and I'm, I, I pick and choose. Cause I've at this point, 20 years in, I've done a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts and, uh, I'm real choosy at this point. Uh, of course with, with PD and yourself, I'm going to do it because PD is a buddy and very knowledgeable about the product you as well. And, a, a good friend and a genuinely good person. I'm going to do it, but I get, uh, you know, I get just offers all the time. And it's like, after a while, it's not to be selfish, but it's like, how is this going to benefit me? Like, I can't just be giving interviews to everybody to get more hits on their side. Uh, you know, I, and it's, and a lot of times it's like, Hey, you know, I don't really have anything to talk about. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's good and bad. Like you look at what, look at what podcasts have done. Like if you look at the, the Jericho's and the Austin's and the Jim Ross and Cole Cabana, who was kind of the forefront of all this. It's great. And the accessibility and the stories that we get to hear that none of this existed 10, 15 years ago. So 
in that aspect, it's really good. But you know, to play devil's advocate, now anybody can have a podcast. So any uh, any guy who's a fan can now deem himself a journalist and say he has a podcast and he's part of this network and it just really muddies it up. So I think the fans can weed out the good from the bad, the knowledgeable from the uh, not so knowledgeable, if you understand what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm in a position where I can pick and choose. I don't have to do everyone that's offered to me, thank God, because I don't have enough to talk about. Um, and I also like doing more so, I like doing a lot of non-wrestling podcasts. I like doing podcasts talking about music and heavy metal or sports or pop culture. So uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I like to free myself to, to talk about non-wrestling related stuff just as much as I would like to talk about wrestling related stuff. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like you, you live in the wrestling world. That's your job, all that kind of stuff. Everybody asks you for a podcast and you, you got a family too. I mean, when are you going to do, when are you going to do you right, Frankie? But since we're on a wrestling podcast, I got to ask you more wrestling questions, I guess. So, um, here I got Certainly. one for you. So we were talking about, you know, good times and stuff like that. What would you say you've been doing this for like 20 years now? What would you say like your yeah. best year or years or your best time, the, the most fun you had as a professional wrestler? What, uh, what, what time could you like kind of pinpoint a year or years? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, it's probably cliche. People say it like right now, the middle of the run I'm in right now, uh, it has been amongst the funnest of my career in terms of match quality and opponents. Um, but I'll try to I'll try to break it down specifically. Uh, 2012 was a fun year because that's when Chris Daniels and I began tagging, um, and became bad influence, and were able to develop characters outside of just wrestlers. And what I mean by that is, in TNA for a long time, I had a lot of fun there and a lot of good matches. But I was kind of just a wrestler, and it wasn't until Chris and I became bad influence that we got to develop characters that really put us over the edge and got bad influence or the addiction, whatever you want to call us, got us out there and made people take notice that we were not just good wrestlers. We were guys with larger than life personalities and we could, uh, we could steal the show. That was a fun year. Uh, the first half of 2008 in TNA, I was, uh, I was, I thought having some of my best matches, I'd really kind of come into my own as a, complete wrestler and really started to implement a lot more psychology into my matches. And I, I, I wrestled UPD a bunch that year. That was a fun year. 2003, when I first started TNA, actually 2003, 2004, those years, uh, those years were fun in a way that it was, uh, it was a, an exciting time because I was with my friends. I was wrestling on television for the first time ever. Uh, we were, I was traveling a lot more than I ever had and just kind of being younger in the business and experienced all these new things. You know, you only get one time to uh, experience things for the first time. So that, that period was fun. And then when I look back on like the, just the very beginning of my career, the Indies, just the innocence of just wrestling with a, a crew of guys and everybody with the same dream and everybody just trying to make it. And none of the politics or BS or, any of that nonsense, just that innocence of just loving the business and wanting to, wanting to do something and going out there and busting your butt. That's, that's a fun time. So I guess I gave a really long answer to a simple question, but uh, those are the periods that stick out, you know? Um, yeah, but right now, honest to God, I really having a great time, especially in terms 
just the mat, like I said, match quality and, and caliber of opponent and where I'm doing it with Ring of Honor, which is, you know, really ascending and just doing great numbers and breaking records and, and uh, just really changing people's perception about uh, the company and the U.S. one. You know, I'm glad you brought up Ring of Honor because now I want to talk about the future. I will be at StarCast alongside James Ellsworth. I know that you're booked to be there. I can't wait to hand you a cigar or something if you're not avoiding me after Heck this. Yeah. yeah, if you're not avoiding me after this interview. But I'm I'm curious with what the Young Bucks and Cody and Conrad Thompson is doing with StarCast and All In. What do you think Ring of Honor could learn from what they're doing to maybe boost uh, sales to their product? Or am I completely looking at this the wrong way? I wouldn't say that you're looking at it the wrong way. Uh, if Ring of Honor could learn anything, I would say um, look at what the Being the Elite show has done to the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have always been outstanding wrestlers, incredible athletes, uh, can do some amazing stuff and very, very innovative. One of the best, they're going to go down as one of the best tag teams in the history of any, any guys that have ever done it. But the show being the elite, which started off just kind of them documenting where they are in the world each week became pretty much a phenomenon and characters and personas and angles have developed because of it. Uh, and ring of honors television show is uh, while it's episodic, we don't have a whole lot of time to, develop characters the way that I, I honestly would like to. You only have an hour of television time, which turns into about, what, 43 minutes, and you have a roster full of guys. Not every guy can be out there every week, <clears throat> excuse me, talking, doing promos, doing vignettes, trying to get themselves over outside of wrestling match situation. Whereas on Being the Elite, guys have had the opportunity to get their personas and their personalities and the audience has grown, grown and grown and grown and it become a very loyal following. And you saw it this last week with uh, an immediate sellout of the event they promoted. And I think that's because of that brand loyalty that they've created with that show, with the consistency of good matches. Uh, it's, it's created a following, created a brand and people want to be part of anything they're doing. So I would say if they could learn anything, it would be that maybe develop, being able to develop the characters on their roster on a, on a broader scope or a broader spectrum might be something they would want to look into. And I'm certain they are because ring of the people that run ring of honor, very intelligent, very, uh, in know of what's, what needs to be done to, uh, evolve the product. So Frankie, speaking of like developing characters and storylines, that kind of thing. I remember, um, and this will lead to my question. I remember when, you and uh, that influence, you and, and uh, Daniels worked myself, and I think it was uh, Tony Nice at House of Hardcore. Remember that? Yep. Oh, of course I remember that. Okay. Heck yeah, man. Well, so this is what I was amazed at. You know, I, I me and Tony Nice do our entrance stuff like that, and then man, when you guys, when your music hit, the two of you, and you guys came through that curtain and just that charisma, and the people were going, man, it was like I, I, I had goosebumps because I was like, man, these guys. People are loving them, and they're so charismatic. You guys are dressed the part. You guys have all your your gear on and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm just like, man, you guys like you guys are like an awesome tag team. But like, 
would you say like that is has been like your favorite gimmick or like what would you say like your favorite absolute favorite storyline you've been involved in? Well, I mean, Chris Daniels acting, being bad influence, being the addiction has helped us both out so much because it's it's allowed us to bring our a lot of ourselves into our characters and. Uh, you know me, you know, and you know, Chris Daniels, you know, you know how big goofballs we really are. And we were never oh, yeah. really allowed to, 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 to be that in, um, certainly in the early, in the early days of TNA. Uh, so, so being, like I said, going back to that 2012 year where we really became bad influence and we were just the obnoxious heel, pretty much the, almost the lead heels of the company, the working heels, that was a, that was such a fun year because it was it was just good to be in a position where we were trusted to go out there and cut you know we were, we were out there standing toe to toe with Sting and Hulk Hogan cutting promos and and Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle and Bully Ray and all these guys and we're holding our own and and really got of the mold of just being good wrestlers or just X division wrestlers so no we're guys with personalities and we could be. We could be loved for our in-ring work, but we could be hated for uh, our antics and our tactics outside of the ring or what we say. So that uh, that was fun, and that's kind of continued today because Chris Daniels and I are still a tag team, and we're just a different a different version of that. We're not we're not so much the the fun, goofy kind of uh, cold gesture characters that we were were a little more serious the volumes of turned up a little bit more or a little more intense or smarter we're the veterans we got 45 years of experience between us we're you know we claim to be the smartest men in the room i don't know how true that is but uh you know <laughs> there's just the, the tag team the tag team has evolved the character of the tag team the addiction of that influence has evolved just like a singles character would evolve over a span of seven eight years now pete we only have a couple more minutes with Frankie before we have to let him go. So I, I look, he's your buddy, but I've got like a million questions to ask him. I let me start really quick before we let you go with this. Uh, one day ago, was yeah, far away, man. One day ago was twenty years ago since what you debuted in your very first professional wrestling match. And this is kind of a twofold question: where did you have you done everything you wanted to do? Is there anything left out there for you to want to do? And what, in your opinion, does life after wrestling look like? Whether it's five years down the line, ten years, two years, do you have a mapped out plan for life after wrestling? Um, to answer the first, um, uh, the, the first part of the question, um, I forgot what. The- <laughs> Say it again. Good God. Well, what was so the first part? Wrestling, but the, the, the first part of the question was, you know, you tweeted out yesterday that uh, it was your 20-year oh, anniversary. 20 years. Yes. Is Have you reached every goal that you set out to reach? Accomplished. That's yes. Right. Is there anything well, out there okay. for you to do? So I, I'm the type of person who believes there's always something to accomplish. There's always going to be a mountain to climb, and you should always be hungry and you should always strive to do something in your life. Uh, and that diff- that's different for every, every person. Uh, for some people, they're in a place where if they get up and make the bed, it's a victory. Um, so I always want to see what that next challenge is. But having said that, when I got into the business, I just wanted to be a wrestler. 
I wanted to be a wrestler since I was seven, eight years old. Uh, and I thought, wow, if I could grow up to do this, that would be this. That's all I think about. This is my dream. I would love to do it. I was obsessed with it. If I could grow up and become a pro wrestler, that would be really cool. And all of a sudden I did that. And it's like, wow, I'm, I'm actually doing what I was thinking about when I was a kid in my room, playing with action figures and pretending to beat up a pillow that I thought was a wrestler. Then you, you start getting a little bit, a little bit of success and wow, well, maybe I want to, I would love to go to Japan or I would love to try to get a job for a wrestling company that's on television back when I was first starting off, that would have been WWE or ECW or WCW and then you, you just reach these goals. So I never mapped out, I, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. Things just kind of happened, and then I would take a step back and go, wow, this is really cool. Like, For instance, when TNA started, I'm wrestling on television, I'm wrestling on pay-per-view every week, and then, wow, I have an action figure. And uh, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm in WWE, and it, it's, it did, it, was it what I expected? No, it was completely different. But that's no fault of theirs, that's fault of my own. These things just happen, and then all of a sudden, wow, I'm on pay per view, I'm inventing a pay per view, and it's it's all it's all great, and it's just every time something like that happens, I try to really, especially now, step outside and really appreciate the moment because it goes by so fast. I really like to appreciate those type of moments now. So there's there's a lot I'd like to accomplish, but if my career ended today, I can't say I wouldn't be happy because I've. I've done exactly what I set out to do, and that was make a living, grow up to be a professional wrestler. Um, now, in terms of life after wrestling, uh, that's that's a tough one to answer because I turned 40 last year, and I, I remember being a young man and saying, like, I, well, when I'm 40, i got to either be done or on my way out of the business. And the way I feel right now, I'm nowhere close. Uh, I'm still having, again, like I mentioned, I'm still having fun and great matches. Uh and I just, I just love it too much. I, I, yes, I have a lot of other passions. I have a lot of passion with music and things I'm doing there. And obviously, I love being home with my family, but I just, I love the in-ring stuff so much that I just don't see myself doing anything else for the foreseeable future. And I really think I have a lot to offer in terms of knowledge of various topics within the industry to maybe help the next generation out. So uh, I think I'm probably going to be doing something wrestling related, entertainment related for sure for the foreseeable future. And outside of, of course, all in and Starcast of ring of honor, what do you guys, what do you have upcoming to promote? Because like, we hate to send you off without talking about the passion projects or anything you're doing outside of the wrestling industry. What are you doing outside of the wrestling industry that, you know, you want your fans and maybe our fans to come hunt you down and follow you. Well, that would be music. And uh, I know PD and I have similar tastes and we've talked about music a lot, him being a musician also. Um, right now I'm in two bands, one of them somewhat dormant, the other one very, very active. My band Vex Temper, which is a band I formed that um, wrote and recorded the entrance music that Chris Daniels and I come to the ring to in Ring of Honor. We're still writing and recording, um, but we're kind of in a holding pattern. We're looking for a drummer. My other band, Gutter Candy, which I just played bass in that I joined, is a, a band that I'm very, very active with. We have um, a lot of originals, and we are primarily covers, 80s and 90s, hard rock and heavy metal. Uh, 
uh, I'm pretty much gigging with, with that band almost every weekend that I'm not wrestling. So that, and, uh, that keeps me really, really busy. Uh, so that's, that's definitely my passion project right now outside of wrestling. Uh, the gigs I got coming up with gutter candy, we got some stuff coming up. Uh, I think may were kind of off cause I was very, real busy wrestling, but June we're back on the road all around Southern California. We filmed a YouTube show called put it right here, which is quite possibly the stupidest show on the internet. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's fun. I just, I love doing it. It's another, um, another way to get out my creativity and it's, 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 it reminds me of being in the Indies again because I'm going to bars and smaller gigs and lugging my gear and you know not making a whole lot of money, but it's but it's so much fun and you know the music we play people people love it's it's party music it's go out and have a drink and have a good time and listen to some some badass jams so I re- I'm really enjoying that right now and uh, really trying to trying to help uh, that band become bigger because all the guys in it are very, very talented. And I would like to, you know, have my D-list celebrity help shine a little bit more light on them and get their music uh, and their act out there more. Pete? Awesome. No, hey, thank you. That's uh, like, yeah, music is a passion of mine. We have a lot of similar passions, and I think that's why we've always uh, hit it off with each other. But, hey, Frank, man, thank you so much for, for taking the time to uh, – you know, to talk with us and all that. And I, I, I just miss you, man. Jeez, I miss you. We got to get together again and, uh, you know, tell the family I said hi, Tracy, and everything. And, uh, you know, good luck with everything, man. Just good luck. I appreciate it. Tracy says, Tracy told me to tell you hello. And, uh, yeah, man, I miss you, dude. Anytime we're, we're in town and you come by, it's just always great to see you. I mean, we do. We had so many fun, crazy times that, uh, yeah, we need to, we need to go out and sit down and have a beverage again. And, uh, and Dennis, I'm going to hold you that cigar, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to make sure you're carrying when I see you, all right? Absolutely. Wait, wait. Before, <laughs> before we let you go, i got to put you on the spot. Do you have one embarrassing story for PD we can wrap this up with? Oh, no. Come man, on. You did the same thing Come on. when we did Uncle Jeff. I should have seen this coming. Go, go ahead, Frankie. If you could think of one off the top of your head. An, em- an embarrassing PD story. Embarrassing um, or stupid? I don't know. I don't know that I do. I remember uh, – Yeah. I have a couple stories where PD embarrassed other guys, but I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember uh, a story where PD was, yeah, not off the top of my head. And you know, and if there was one, they would probably all in, included many adult beverages, so I've forgotten it by now. But uh, I'll probably yeah, think of yeah. one right after I hang up the phone and, and kick myself for not for not telling you guys. Well, well, I'll see you at all in, so I'm sure I can record something then. All right, if I think of one by then, I'll. I'll, I'll type it in my notes so i remember it but uh yeah i don't think so man pd's one of those guys he's he flies a fox man he was always the guy that that would never get caught he was he was almost too smart too smart to get caught he'd let the other nitwits that he hung out with got get caught so uh yeah man, yes I think, that I is PD, true that is true he's free and clear Pete, send them home all right thanks frank all right frank um well, no that's problem. it thanks, that's, guys. that's the podcast right all right, PD. Thank you, Pete, by the way, for reaching out and getting Frankie on this podcast. That was all you. Yeah, no, Frankie, man, such a cool dude. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, I miss him. I mean, that's all legit, man. I mean, you, you grow up with these guys. Uh, you know, I was in the same company with him for, you know, like five years or so, and then you keep in touch, and it's just – yeah, man, and it brings a lot back, a lot of good memories and stuff. And I'm so happy to see him like still succeeding in this business and doing other things that he loves and stuff. So 
yeah, this is great talking to him. So let's wrap this up. Don't forget, if you go to WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com, uh, subscribe to the podcast. There are links there. You can listen to the podcast live from there. Uh, look, we're giving away autograph stuff here soon. I've been on the road. PD's been on the road. James has been on the road. So we haven't really been able to uh, get this thing rolling. But the autographs are coming. The best and easy way to win one is basically if you have iTunes, go subscribe to the podcast, rate five stars, leave a comment, and just take a little snapshot, email it to us to show us you did it. If you don't know how, we'll take your word for it. If you don't have iTunes, tweet it, talk about it, tell your friends, and then email us to tell us you've done that. We're going off the trust factor here. That's how much we trust you guys, and you know we'll enter you into a chance to pick whether you get an Ellsworth or a P.D. Williams autograph picture, although a few people have uh, mentioned they want autographs of me, but let's be honest, P.D., no one really wants an autograph of me. Hey, they, and you, it's a weird market out there. I mean, it, might, it, would be a, it would be a rare commodity, so I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, no. Trust me, there's uh, there's buyers regret immediately when they get that picture in the mail. Trust me. Oh uh, wait, they have to buy your picture? Right. Oh yeah, forget it then. Yeah, <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So so go do that. Tell a friend. That's how we grow. We are growing every week, and we couldn't do that without you. Tuesday nights is the Dugcast with James Ellsworth. It drops every Tuesday. Thursdays is a Wrestling Perspective. The I guess you would call this a flagship show, and you get both of them on the same feed. That's the beauty of this, Pete. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, looking to continue to grow. I mean, we might have some other things in the work that we're kind of, uh, you know, fiddling with. So, uh, yeah, just stay tuned. If recent trends suggest that we end up avid at, what was it, adding half our guests as co-hosts, eventually... We'll add a couple more shows. Yeah, we'll have to. I mean, we'll have to do two a day. You might, you might have to quit anything else you're doing just to podcast all day, Dennis. I'm, I'm getting there. But on the flip side, which means either Frankie or Uncle Jeff will be a podcast soon, right? <laughs> all joking. Yeah, I mean, uh, or, or both. Maybe we'll be batting a thousand. Who knows? Mm, I'm not sure. We'll have to get you <laughs> to learn how to do your own podcast, and you can do one with Uncle Jeff. We're gonna be doing simul. We're gonna to have to like to get a studio with like multiple rooms with uh, constant podcasting on the air all the time. Is that too much? Nope. No. One of us should hit the lottery soon. Then. <laughs> all, right. all right. So that's this week's wrestling perspective. Thank you so much to Frankie Kazarian, who now not only do I get to have him on the podcast, but apparently I got to buy him a cigar, Pete. Yeah, and you better hey. If it's one thing I know about Frankie, you better stay true to your word. If you say you're going to bring a cigar, bring one. And bring one that like he's never had before. Bring a rare one because that's what we used to do on uh, – we call it Cigar Wednesdays. We go to the store and like just get like, oh, this is a cherry-tipped one. I, I don't know. What a cherry-tipped. And this is – this is, I, I don't know. Like cherry-flavored I, I, tips. I, I don't know how it goes. So, uh, yeah, make sure you bring him something that maybe he hasn't had before. I'm going to have to now. All right, guys. And put a bow on it. Put a bow on it. Absolutely. That's what I'm doing to this podcast now. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. Say bye, Pete. All right. We'll see you.